the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. True North, on AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer. Saturday mornings at 8 or via podcast anytime. Now, let's get into it with your host, Dirk Hobbs. Good morning, Southern Colorado. It is Saturday, March 11th, 2023, here in gorgeous Southern Colorado. What a blessed place to live. I am so excited to be here in the studio with you this morning. Breathe deep, my fellow Coloradans. Just look to the West and remind yourself why (laughs) we tolerate these winters. It's not too bad, actually. Just ask the people up north, way up north, the great white north. Well, it's uh, good to be here in the studio with you all. You're listening to True North. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs. What we do here at North and in True North, the radio program, is we talk about what is going on in our community. So we are business, real estate, lifestyle, and the people who are making it happen. And uh, we are here in the studio with one of those people this morning. We'll get to that in just a minute. But inside each edition of North, you'll find great stories on the people who are advancing our community forward. They're running great businesses. They have uh, great venues for us to go work and play in. And uh, it's just an exciting place to hang out, Um, get a a bead on what's going on in our community, uh, both from a business perspective as well as a real estate perspective. So. Dive in. If you want to grab uh, your complimentary copy each month, just go to coloradomediagroup.com forward slash subscribe, and we'll put one in your mailbox. No charge. Not ever. So it's just brought to you by the great people that are in there, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. So, And if you'd like to uh, nominate somebody for um, a story or if you have a story to tell that you want to get out there to about half the community – uh, that's about how many folks we're reaching each month. Uh, give me a call, 719-330-7448. And uh, you can also go to info at coloradomediagroup.com. So uh, anyway, we are in the studio this morning. We have uh, a series that we're doing. Uh, we're interviewing six of the top contenders for the mayor job that is coming up for renewal here. April 4th is the big election day, so uh, let's not be passive about this. Let's get out there and vote. Uh, But what we wanted to do here at North is give you an opportunity to meet uh, everybody that is running for mayor, uh, that has been in public service for a considerable amount of time and has a pretty good idea of what's going on in our community uh, on a multitude of fronts. So public safety, water, affordable housing, all those all those heavy lift topics we've been banging on for the last couple of weeks here. So um, in the studio this morning, we have Mr. Tom Strand. Good morning, sir. 
Good morning, Zerk. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm, gra- I'm glad to have you here, man. Uh, I'm glad to be here. This is going to be a, a good exchange, I can tell, and um, <laughs> we're going to have some fun getting to know you. Uh, but break it down for us. I mean, you, you've been in public service here about 13 years. Yes, I have. And uh, a, a lot of, of big jobs. Tell us about them. Yeah, I uh, retired after a 30-year career in the Air Force, which started at Peak Field. Okay. Uh, and uh, retired in 2005. Uh, right at the beginning of the year in 2005, and I was going to catch uh, trout and uh, get my golf score down. That was the plan. <laughs> uh, I was watching what was going on in our school districts, and primarily School District 11. Uh, a lot of issues, uh, you know, between the, the board members on the district and the superintendent. And uh, so I decided to run for the District 11. I actually was appointed to fill a vacancy uh, when there was a recall All right. of a couple of members on the District 11 school board, I filled that vacancy and then later ran and uh, was elected. My first elected position in 2007, and I served for five years on the District 11 school board, uh, both as vice president and president of that school board, trying to focus on the students and the teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, after I finished that, uh, I then was kind of watching what was going on in the city with our first strong mayor, Mayor, mayor Steve Bach. Uh, and the relationship between the nine city council members and noticed that it was fractured. It was not working very well. Yeah, it was a tough season. Uh, I ended up uh, having breakfast with uh, a guy running for mayor at the time by the name of John Southers, <laughs> uh, who was finishing up as uh, attorney general up in Denver. Mm-hmm. And we had a long talk about, you know, what we thought we could do to make the city uh, more collaborative between uh, both the mayor's office as the executive and the legislative branch, which is city council. So I was elected in 2015 uh, as an at-large, one of the three at-large positions for city council. Uh, Out of the nine, we have six districts uh, and three at-large. And uh, I ended up serving at that time as vice chair and chair of utilities because many people don't understand city council members are dual-hatted, both with our utilities, which this year is a $1.6 billion operation for utilities. So I was vice chair of utilities and then chair of utilities. And I was there when we made the decision that we we're going to close our coal burning Drake plant downtown, not later than 2035. And mm-hmm. here in 2022, we ended up closing Drake. Yep. Uh, so that was terrific. No more plume. No more plume. And, and it, <laughs> was, it wasn't really pollution, but it yeah. sure looked like it. <laughs> Uh, so I was vice chair and chair when uh, uh, Jerry Forte, who had been the CEO for about nine years, was, uh, retired mm-hmm. and uh, then hired uh, Ron Benjamin uh, when I was chair of utilities. Uh, and that was about four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, I was reelected uh, in my position in 2019 as an at-large city council member. And since then, I have been the pro tem, kind of the deputy uh, to Richard Scorman. Uh, who was uh, the president of city council, and I am currently the president of city council uh, with the uh, eight other city council members uh, that I work with on a daily basis. Yep. Law, lots going on at city council. You guys work hard over there. Uh, we appreciate you guys. You know, I, I was in a process when J.W. Roth was sitting in front of you guys in that whole um, concert venue up north, and I'm, I'm just watching this process and <laughs> It, for, for the amphitheater, for the amphitheater, yeah. that's right. And and you know, it was it was amazing to see community citizens, you know, citizens of our community, 
because uh, you guys don't get paid a lot over there, right? We, uh, by the way, let me just <laughs> make a quick pitch for that. We uh, we get a stipend of six thousand two hundred fifty dollars a year, which yep. is about a five hundred dollar check a month, right? And it's a uh, tip. Uh, they are. There is going to be an effort either this next November or in 2024 mm-hmm. uh, to have an increase, yeah. uh, so we can attract younger people, uh, not just retired people. And it and it's amazing because that is pretty much uh, you know gas money for the month, but it's it, it's your time and effort and attention. All of you sitting on council, listening to that, uh, you know, some some of them are great issues. Some of them are like, wow, is this really in front of me right now? Right. But, um, well, let's take a half a step back and get to know you personally. So uh, you hail from what part of the country? Yeah, born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Uh, And interestingly enough, Cleveland, Ohio, when I was growing up and going to high school, was 1.1 million people in that city because of the steel mills and the heavy industry. That's right. Today, it's about 400,000 people have left. Uh, So it's kind of a reverse of what's going on in Colorado Springs, Mm -hmm. because when I got here in the mid-70s with the Air Force, and I'll mention that, uh, we were about 130,000, and now we're 500,000, uh, and so we're doing the opposite of what's happening in Cleveland. So I, I, uh, you know, I left there, went to Bowling Green, uh, and studied business and pre-law. Mm-hmm. Went to law school at Toledo uh, in Ohio, and then uh, I was in ROTC and got commissioned. Uh, they gave me an educational delay to go to law school, and then uh, I ended up coming to Colorado Springs Peak Field as my first assignment. Peak Field, yeah. uh, in the mid 1970s. Right on. And uh, where'd you go to law school? Uh, University of Toledo Law School. Okay. The Rockets. The Rockets, yeah. yes. Yeah. Not a bad basketball club. No. Periodically, right? Yeah. But then you went on and did a little more. Yeah. I, uh, you know, during my Air Force career, they selected me to go to George Washington University in Washington, D.C. to get a Master's of Law, an LLM, in Labor and Employment Law uh, during my 30-year career as an Air Force JAG. Yeah, no kidding. Well, thank you for your service, sir. We appreciate that. That's uh, not an easy job out there. Um, so your life in Colorado really began when? You know, well, it, it began in, in, when we arrived here in the mid-'75. You mm-hmm. know, I arrived here, and I was the Area Defense Council at Pete Field. Uh, at that time, uh, marijuana, you know, was illegal everywhere. If an airman got caught with a joint of marijuana, he went to jail for one year. Wow. The other big change back then was if an airman, mostly males, had issues with their sexuality, we court-martialed them Mm. for for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's hard to believe that in one guy's life, so many things have changed and come, come, you know, full circle. Right. But anyway, finished, uh, went, had 17 assignments around the world, 10 years overseas, and uh, ended up running the JAG and Paralegal School in Montgomery, Alabama before I retired to come here. So my interest in education and development came from running the JAG and Paralegal School in Montgomery, Alabama, and then retired in 2005. And since then, I have been really involved with trying to make this a better city and a better community. And indeed, you have. Thank you for your work on city council. Thank you for your work in the Air Force. Um, now, how about personally? I mean, what uh, what blows your hair back uh, I heard the fishing pitch earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, you know, I currently have three children, one stepchild and two children, uh, one in Detroit, Michigan, one in Austin, Texas, and, and one in Fort Collins. I have five grandchildren uh, all around the, the world. And what I love doing now is uh, I love fishing, fly fishing and mm-hmm. catching trout. Mm-hmm. And I love getting out and hiking. Yep. Uh, skiing is kind of in my past now. Don't want to 
<laughs> shake up my knees and ankles. But I do play golf uh, during the uh, summer season, usually once a week. Oh, very good. Well, we're going to get into why you think this job is for you in the next quarter. All right. So we're going to tackle some of the, the key issues that seem to be refrains in town because uh, we are a city on the move. We're growing uh, and we're getting, you know, big city problems in some areas, big city challenges that we need to overcome and pay close attention to. So uh, appreciate you being here. Um, we're going to. We're going to break here in just a minute, but I want to remind everybody the election is April 4th. So this Friday, uh, March 10th, uh, you should have, um, well, they dropped the ballots in the mailbox. And so Saturday here this this afternoon or, or Monday, okay. you should have the ballot in your hand. And I want to make uh, an encouragement to everybody out there. Look from top to bottom on uh, on the ballot. So don't just look at the top two names or so, but uh, look at from top to bottom. Check out the websites of each individual candidate. In uh, our case here, we have Mr. Strand, Tom uh, Tom Strand. He's our city councilman, but the website for him is strandformayor.org. Uh, you can reach him personally at tomstrand19 at yahoo.com. Uh, and if you want to give him a phone call, 719 719- 210-1607 that's 719-210-1607 and uh but but make sure you take a look at what they have to say on their website so we're back in a minute with tom stream I got a nightmare phone call that no parent wants to receive. Someone hit me going 60 miles an hour. Dr. Ramos uh, came highly recommended. When I showed him the x-rays, he immediately knew exactly what was wrong. We've had a tremendous experience with Ramos Law. Really, I could not be happier. Having the car accident was an accident. Finding Ramos Law was no accident. Injured in a car accident? Ramos Law can help. RamosLaw.com. And we're back here in the studio, True North. You're listening to Dirk Hobbs and Tom Strand talk about the mayor's job coming up. Uh, April 4th is our big election day here. Make your voice heard, folks. Vote. Uh, the ballots should have dropped in the mail uh, on Friday. You should see them in your mailbox either today or Monday, at the maybe Tuesday at the latest. So um, take a look at those. Look up and down the ballot. Look at the issues and um, make a decision. So... Um, tell me, um, tell me, Tom, we've got some serious issues, uh, in our community. Like I said, we're growing, we're expanding. And with that, we have to be very conscientious of, of some things. One of which is a real hot button issue is a public safety. I know this is a passion play for you. It, it is absolutely, Dirk. Uh, you know, eight years on city council, we've done a lot of great things. Yes, yeah. Uh, we've increased our uh, our police department and our fire department. We've opened up two new fire stations. We've combined the county and city um, a group of uh, uh, of uh, folks that work wildfires and floods, uh, which, which uh, you know is important. They're now a joint group. Uh, and but I want to talk about police in particular. Okay. Uh, Today, we've got about uh, 750 sworn police officers. Uh, We've got my third police chief since in my eight years is Adrian Vasquez. Uh, He's the current police chief. Um, Mayor Southers allowed me to be involved with that uh, review and selection process. So we've got about 750 sworn police officers. 
the problem is we need about 850. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've got people, our, our response times to, you know, the first and second category of offenses, which are the most serious criminal acts, sometimes can take 13 or 14 minutes to get there. So we have got to work on what I consider a new program that I want to do with UCCS and Colorado College in terms of creating a police college that would create Interesting. You know, yeah. a two-year associate kind of degree. And I've, I've, I've floated this with them. We haven't finalized anything. Mm-hmm. But I think we could put people into an associate program, two-year police college, and get a lot of young people, men and women, out of, uh, you know, both out of the military that are separating out of the military, you know, military police, security police from the Air Force, as well as out of high school mm-hmm. that would go into this program that would want to get involved with criminal justice. Um, the other thing we're doing, and we're going to start in July, is our academies that we run from CSPD. Instead of running one or two a year, we're going to run them continuously. And uh, we generally have somewhere between 30 and 40 people in those programs. And uh, I think between the academy and a police college, we can start to recruit the numbers of police officers that we need and, and make sure they're trained properly and that they have the right background. Being a police officer in today's world is is not terribly enticing uh, for, for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, these these folks, by and large, you know, uh, there's always a few apples that that tend to, you know, sour the the appearance the, of yeah, what they the whole are. barrel. Exactly. Right. But, you know, it's just that they seem to have to go through so much criticism just to get the job done. And and I, I can't imagine they're not tentative. So in, in your curriculum, in, in the things you're discussing with the university and, and the academy, is this part of it is is to try to attract people back to the profession? Because it used to be, you know, when you were an officer, that was a noble career. It, it was. And so, it still is. But. You know, the first police <laughs> chief when I got here was Pete Carey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he told me that when he applied to become a police officer some 40 years ago, yeah. uh, that there would be 1,000 to 1,500 applicants, you know, for 20 to 30 positions. Wow. Currently, for 30 to 40 positions, we might only get 200 applicants. Wow. So you're absolutely right, Dirk, about, you know, this is an area now that I, I think a lot of young people – and even middle-aged people feel that this is something that, you know, they don't want to get into this kind of a, a conflict with the community and a, and a profession that is, in fact, uh, under attack every time. Yeah. Every time I see a police officer, I treat them like I do military people when I thank them for their service in the community. And I would encourage anybody listening, when you see a police officer, whether she's on a motorcycle or whether she's or he's walking around downtown or in a car, thank them for their service that they give. Does that Trump. make a difference? I mean, when it, you it makes that. a huge difference. Yeah. Currently, police officers, you know, right out of the box, make about seventy thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So I do not think it's compensation and benefits. <laughs> That's I, not the lure. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I think it's more about uh, you know whether they're appreciated in our community and, and respected. Yeah, and that's what I would encourage people to do going forward. So. That's the area we've got to go. I met with about six police officers just recently between one and six years service. All of them are considering leaving. Oh, uh, so it, it, it's a situation that, you know, we and, and it, people listening, you know, if you want your relatives, your your children, your grandchildren to become police officers, you'd probably take a step back before you would encourage them to do that. So why were they saying, well, we're, re- we're rethinking this? 
They uh, again, it's mostly because when they go out in the community, they feel uh, under attack, yeah. even by law abiding citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we we get situations where they never know when they say goodbye to their loved ones, whether it's their parents or their spouses, whether they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of the ones that I talk to who are young are just readdressing whether or not, you know, they work different shifts all the time. A lot of times they'll get the Christmas, you know, day shift. Their opportunity to be with family members for birthdays and anniversaries are less than a lot of other people, much like the military. Right. Um, so, you know, I just try and work with them and thank them for everything that they do. I think the neighborhood watch program in our neighborhoods ought to be reinforced. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we ought to do more to get neighbors involved so that they are reporting crimes, you know, more quickly. We have trouble getting 911 operators we don't have a full staff of 911 operators. And again, I don't think it's paying allowances and benefits. I think it's more, you know, being involved with law enforcement. Okay. Well, tell, tell us what you would do more specifically on not only the university and academy front, but what are some of the logistical elements that we need to tackle for public safety? You know, in, in addition to CSPD, CSFD, is uh, we've just funded some more people. About 80% of the fire department calls that they get are not structural fires. Hmm. They're for health issues sure. and well-being issues and people like Tom having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, Don't do that, Tom. No, don't want to do that. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, what we need, and, and we've increased, city council has increased the number of people, the EMTs that go out. Uh, we need to have more people involved that are in the social worker and counseling kind of thing that go out with with the fire department. Uh, we've opened up two new fire stations, and we've got two that we're going to be opening up probably in the next two years uh, in terms of fire stations. But, you know, in, in that area, we just, again, we, we don't seem to have the same problem with CSFD in terms of recruiting and retaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to go back to see us about, you know, in the police department, about every month we lose seven or eight police officers. Some are just regular retirements. They've mm-hmm. had 25 or 30 years as police officers and they're moving on to something else in their life. But a lot of them, as I mentioned with the younger ones, are trading out just because their families do not feel that they're supportive anymore of this. And they don't feel when they're in the community that they're respected to the degree that they would like to be. Wow. We've got the cameras now, you know, that kind of record everything, whether it's a a stop. I would encourage citizens to do Mm -hmm. ride-alongs. I've done about five of those in the last eight years where I ride along and I try and do weekends and nights uh, which are going to be much more active and busy. And, you know, they try and and, uh, make sure you stay out of the fray. So keep you in the car. The other big group is the emergency management office. Right. Uh, We've combined both the county and city uh, emergency management office. Uh, Currently, Jim Reed is running that. He's about to retire, but he's a great guy. Um, They need more personnel there, I think, to work on mitigation for wildfires, to work on the uh, we've come up with this new zone situation for evacuations. Uh, But, you know, we also have flooding that we have to worry about with emergency management office. And I meet with them usually monthly. Got it. Well, you've been hanging out with Tom Strand and Dirk Hobbs here on True North. It is uh, a great day here in Southern Colorado. We're going to get back into some of the um, other issues that uh, uh, I know Tom wants to get to, uh, namely, obviously, water, economic development, uh, you know, smart growth in our community. So all those things, um, you know, we're going to get into in the next quarter here. But, uh, Tom, I'm going to throw you a quick curveball here, brother. Sure. Tell me what is your jam song? 
in the car. Yeah, my jam song in the car. I love the Bee Gees, and I love the song Staying Alive. <laughs> no kidding. Staying Alive. Well, let's hear it uh, for Tom and then Staying Alive. You're old school, brother. The Bee Gees. <laughs> yes, sir. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Barry's hanging in there. Barry's he, hanging he and in I there. are going to go on a road trip. I, by, by the way, I take guitar <laughs> lessons. So, Oh, yeah? Yep. All right. Very good. Well, we're back with Tom Strand in just a few minutes. News and events that matter to you. AM 1460 and FM 101.1. The answer. And we're back in the studio. You're listening to True North on AM 1460 and 101.1 FM. The answer. Thank you for dialing in. Thank you for uh, taking a hike with us this morning here in beautiful southern Colorado. I'm your host, Dirk Hobbs, and I am sitting here with uh, City Council President Mr. Tom Strand. Thank you for being in the studio, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you very much, Dirk. My pleasure. I'm glad you're here. And uh, I was just getting a picture in my mind of you jamming out (laughs) to the the Bee Gees in the car. I love that. I love that. Those were some great days. They were. Great music, and I really appreciate that. All right, we uh, kind of tapped on the uh, public safety topic, big topic. We're probably not done with that entirely. We'll probably continue to reference back to that because uh, we've had an inordinate amount of homicides in our community this year, Tom. Uh, I know you were telling me earlier in the pregame that we, you know, we've gone from from ten uh, to this last year. Uh, yeah, the last year the numbers are about fifty eight. Wow. The homicides that we've had, the other dangerous thing on I-25 and and other of our roads uh, uh, are how many people have been injured or hurt or killed Mm -hmm. on the highways. And those numbers are also in in, uh, the 50 uh, level. Yeah. So you you take your your life in your hands when you get behind the wheel, it seems like here. And, you know, it's just people are, are driving recklessly around here. As an attorney, and certainly as a JAG, I mean, you, you are obviously familiar with right the concept of right and wrong. Seems our our, our culture uh, wants to debunk what we knew as right and wrong, and this this poses a problem to police officers. It poses a problem to judges. Uh, it poses a problem to law abiding citizens. And so, what do you tell a police officer? Because I know you have a lot of interaction with them. I, I do, and, and I saw some just last night at one of the forums we were at. There were two that they were there, uh, you know, just for security, I guess. Yeah. Uh, when we were at Irving, uh, you, you know, school here in town. What what I tell them is, uh, you know, they need to keep their head up and they need to know their city council and their mayor is behind them. Yep. And that we're going to support them and we're going to do everything we can to ensure that they don't have any individual liability if they have to make a split, you know, a second decision, uh, whether to use pepper spray or whether, God forbid, to use a firearm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I talk to them all the time about the fact that, you know, they are the backbone of this community. I think uh, safety is so important to people. There are a lot, especially a lot of our women. That at night, they're afraid to go to ATMs anymore. They're sure. afraid to walk their dog in their neighborhood if it's nighttime. Uh, they don't necessarily want to be in parking garages. Uh, so we've got to change that. And uh, I think our legislature at the state level has made some offenses like auto theft and and, uh, and breaking into cars, uh, more misdemeanors than they are felonies. And you get a ticket, you know, mm-hmm. when you steal a car or you break into a car. So we have got to work closely with our legislators in Denver and the state uh, House and Senate uh, to make sure they understand that law and order uh, 
you know, is so important that, um, you know, I understand the whole issue of, of having restorative justice and, and giving people a chance to turn their lives around, especially young people that are teenagers. Uh, when I was on the District 11 school board, I got involved with restorative justice so that we could work with suspensions and and people who are thrown out of school for, you know, misconduct and violations. But once you get to be an adult and and you get involved with attacking people in some ways, you need to be held accountable. Indeed, you do. So do you on a philosophical, personal level? I mean, what do you how do you um, reconcile all the things that are going on, both with our justice system and and just the general morality that's out there? And and how how do you translate that into, you know, your work on city council and some of the other jobs you've done? You know, Dirk, uh, probably about a third of our population in some way is connected with our military. We have five military installations here with, you know, Cheyenne Mountain, Fort Carson, the Air Force Academy, Shriver and Peterson and people that are family members or retirees. Um, that group, you know, is used to discipline. I, I think kind of, you know, we've we've gotten away from being accountable and being disciplined in things and, you know, wanting to work. Uh, so, you know, it's easy for an older fellow to kind of make, you know, take some shots at, at the younger generations, the millennials. But I, I really think that uh, we, we need to have more responsibility and accountability. And I think even our millennials would like to see that. Yeah. Um, we, we don't want to see situations where people are bonded out. Uh, you know, and, and put on probation too soon. Um, I think our system tends today, and this is just Tom Strand's opinion in 2023, more focused on people that are violators than people that are victims. Mm-hmm. And we need to change that. We, we need to go back to supporting our victims, whether it's in issues of domestic relations um, or it's victims of, uh, you know, uh, identity theft and things of that nature. These, these are areas we have to focus on. I think our mayor can can be a leader uh, every time she or he goes out and they talk about these things at ribbon cuttings. And, you know, we had one recently for this new permit program that we have where you can go and develop a new business and go to a website on the city and find out all the things you have to do to set up your, your new donut shop <laughs> in terms of licenses and what sure. you have to do with permits. Yeah. Life 101. Yep. Well, uh, let's move on from public safety and let's start getting into the uh, affordable housing. Cause I know this is another passion play for you, affordable housing, homelessness, and, and overall economic development. You and I discuss those are kind of tied at the hip how do you how do you view these issues and where do you want to take it? Yeah, you know, Dirk, there's no doubt about that. Again, you know, growing to what I used to consider kind of a village atmosphere in Colorado Springs yeah, from good. 10 or 20 years ago and even more to, to now we're the 39th largest city in the United States. We're a, we're a big city mm-hmm. uh, with problems that, you know, come with more people. And I think one of the big issues now is uh, – Affordable housing, whether it's rentals, mm-hmm. you know, in multifamily units or whether it's housing with uh, single family homes. We've kind of in the last 12 to 18 months that has really cooled off. I am on the regional building department as the chairman of the regional building department for Colorado Springs. So I see how many permits and licenses there are for these new houses with our builders and developers. And it has certainly slowed down. But we got to a point in 2021 and 2022 where we were just blossoming in terms of, you know, every month houses would go up three or four percent and rent would go up three or four percent. And even now for a two bedroom apartment, 
uh, you're over two thousand dollars. Yeah, you know that's not affordable for a lot of people. Yep. Uh, and houses have gone, you know, from three and four hundred thousand dollars to five to seven hundred thousand dollars. I think that's starting to come down again and mm-hmm. and and correcting itself. But with interest rates going from two to five percent, you know, for a mortgage, um, our young people are really struggling. And when we hire teachers and we hire people that are in the hospitality. Uh, you know, out at the Broadmoor or, or any of the big, uh, um, you know, hotels and, and restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, we really have a problem with keeping those people and allowing them to have a roof over their head. Right. I think for public, for police officers and firefighters, they're in the same situation. So I, I want to focus on what we can do to, you know, provide more affordable housing, and I can talk to that. So what can a mayor do about affordable housing specifically? I mean, how do you get those $2,000 rent charges you know, to be more in line. You know, what we can do, the mayor's got a small staff that works with HUD, you know, the, the federal housing uh, organization. We work with, uh, you know, tax incentives that we have uh, for urban renewal, you know, situations. I'm on the urban renewal board here. So the mayor can get involved again, I think, with reducing taxes, uh, making permitting processes better. Working with utilities so that the hookups, which can be thousands of dollars for both electrical gas and water hookups, bringing those down to a more affordable rate. So I I think the mayor and city council can work closely in bringing those amounts down, looking at more smaller units, Mm -hmm. you know, so that instead of a thousand, you know, square foot apartments, we have maybe 500 square foot apartments. Uh, um, I, I think there's a lot we can do to make things affordable, and I plan to do that if I'm elected mayor. Wonderful. Well, you've been around the community for a while, and uh, you've certainly held some some positions of uh, of authority and prestige. You've been on the utilities board. Uh, you helped with the Drake closure and move that forward. Uh, 30 years of active duty service uh, as an attorney, JAG officer, uh, District 11 school board, city council president right now. You've been elected twice to that job. And uh, of course the urban renewal board, we're just, we're just kind of scratching the surface here. So yeah. been there, done that, got a few t-shirts, do you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and that doesn't mention, uh, you know, our, our tourist organization, Visit Colorado Springs. That's I'm right. on their board too. Oh, very good. Well, we certainly appreciate your service and dedication to this community. Folks, if you want to get to know Tom Strand more, check out his website, strandformayor.org. You can also reach him by phone, 719 210 one six zero seven. Uh, you can also email Tom. He'll take your message. Tom Strand one nine at yahoo.com and uh, get to know the gentleman here and, as well as the other candidates. We've got a big election coming April 4th. Your ballot should be in your hand this weekend, if not Monday or Tuesday of this coming week. Make sure you look up and down the ballot, folks, and get to know each and every one of your candidates. Uh, we're sitting here with Tom Strand, who's running for mayor. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna have another little segment here with the Bee Gees. Uh, maybe a, may, maybe not staying alive, but what, what's another one you like? Another one is uh, more than a woman. <laughs> more than a woman. Oh my! I just offended a lot of people with what I just did there. <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, we're back with uh, Tom Strand here in just a few moments. One critical fact that needs to be established is that your injuries were caused by the accident incident you were involved in. 
For your case to have merit, it must be made clear that had you not been in the crash in the first place, you wouldn't have been hurt. This is one of the most important steps in the entire process, and leaving it to anyone but an expert is a serious mistake. Ramos Law, doctor, lawyer, partner, combining medical and legal knowledge for better outcomes for you. All right, we're back with Tom Strand here in the studio. You're listening to True North on AM 1460, 101.1 FM. The answer. Thanks for dialing in. Appreciate uh, joining you on your hike or walk with the dogs or little little biking action this morning. But we appreciate you listening here to True North. And uh, you can find us online at coloradomediagroup.com. Uh, take a look at us there and also check out the Salem Media Stations, uh, all of them, 102.7, 100.7, lots going on. So, But this conversation is around City Councilman uh, Tom Strand and his bid for mayor this April 4th, a uh, big election for us. And this is an important election, folks. This is our next chief executive for the city of Colorado Springs, and uh, they have to have their eye on the ball. And uh, clearly, Tom has seen a lot. He's done a lot for this community in a variety of capacities throughout town. And uh, he knows the working apparatus of the community. And I certainly appreciate his service, both in the military and now as a uh, an executive on city council. And um, tell us, uh, you know, we started talking about uh, homelessness and affordable housing the last quarter, Tom, and and uh, we got to the um, affordable housing piece and how America can actually uh, institute change uh, and and create solutions for folks who are working in the service industry and uh, teachers and, you know, the folks that don't necessarily have six-figure incomes uh, to have a good quality of life here in town uh, and still afford to live here and not have to go elsewhere. Um Talk to us a little bit about how that ties to homelessness and and what are some of the solutions you're proposing around that specific topic? Because yeah, it's getting, you know, Dirk, this, this, this is a problem. I've got some emails just this week about people on trails and paths and when they run into these camps that are along our streams and waterbeds, which, by the way, we have an ordinance saying you can't camp near any uh water area mm-hmm. but enforcing that is problematic for our police department and our hot team our homeless outreach team as they do that but you know i've been watching this for the 18 years that uh, i've been retired and, and back in colorado springs uh, focused on our problems and every february we do a point in time study of how many people are homeless you know without roofs over their heads and i i remember the one in, in you know uh, when i came on eight years ago was about 2200 in February, were determined to be homeless. Uh, and I'm not even sure that that's an accurate number, but it's the best we can do when we're counting noses. Uh, two years ago, when we did this, and I haven't seen the latest one this past February, uh, the number went down to about fourteen or 1,500 people that were homeless. So you can just pat ourselves on the back and say we're, we're doing a much better job. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. I, I, I honestly think we've got populations of homeless, and there's different ones. Uh, we've got both the Marion House with Catholic Charities and uh, and our folks that work with Mount Carmel, which deal mostly with military families. Great organizations. That, that work out. And, and we look at the, you know, what I consider the low-hanging fruit are both, uh, you, you know, single mothers and single fathers with children. 
that are out there that are put out in the street either because maybe they've had medical bills that have been overwhelming, but really nothing that they could control. And now they're out there with children. And those are the ones I think we reach out to with, wow. uh, you know, Catholic Charities and the Marion House, as well as Mount Carmel uh, with their military families to, to help them and get them into housing. Then there's a group of people that are in the next group of homeless that have got mental and behavioral health issues. And you often see them walking around downtown talking up to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be <laughs> talking to somebody. Um, they either have uh, those uh, behavioral and mental health problems where we don't have the professionals to really deal with them. And if we put them in, in our jail here run by the sheriff's department, you, you know, they, they they don't have the skill level to help them. They're just being held, you know, in a facility, essentially. The other big problem are substance and uh, drug abuse, you know, where they're into alcohol or or drug abuse problems and they need rehabilitation. And we don't have the facilities to help them with rehabilitating their their abuse uh, because they're addicted uh, to different things. Uh, The last group that I see out there, and maybe it's the smallest group, are the won'ts. They're the won'ts. They want to live out there. They're, in some cases, criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they steal from one another. They steal from the community. They threaten the community. They often come across when they're asking for donations uh, or, or making requests for money uh, to intimidate people. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the ones I think we need to really kind of, you know, root out of here. And, and we can, you know, arrest them and, and make sure that they don't threaten people in our downtown and our shopping areas. So... The homeless population is one we need focus on. I'll tell you one of the things I do differently than the current mayor. We've had uh, two people now that are full-time employees of the city, one at a time, one male and now a female, that work with the homeless population on behalf of the city government. They work for the chief of staff. They should work for the mayor, directly for the mayor, and they should report to the mayor on a weekly basis of what they're doing, what they're seeing, what they need, what kind of resources they need. And so I would have that individual work for me, not for the chief of staff. The other thing, our homeless outreach team, we've got about 10 officers that are full time out there and and they work with another group that kind of cleans up these camps where you got tons of garbage, Mm -hmm. you know, and and uh, and trash. And we go in and we clean them up and we have dumpster after dumpster of stuff. You know, that group, again, needs to work for the mayor, you know, going forward. Uh, about 10 homeless outreach officers are about half of what we need currently. So we need to go out and recruit people to go into that work and have about 20 that are out there, you know, making sure the camps, you know, are, are, are not established. And uh, we have problems on private property when they're set up. If it's public private right. property, we can move them out. Yep. But this homeless issue is a big deal. Yep. And it makes our, our community, when we have visitors and tourists here, it makes us look less desirable than we are. And we get all these accolades, the best city for young people to be here, the best city for military people to retire. But then a lot of people walk around downtown on Bijou and, you know, on Kiowa and that area downtown, and they kind of wonder, are, are we really <laughs> that good of a city? Indeed. Well, we are, uh, but we have some mature problems right now that we need to address. And uh, it sounds like you've got some some wiring there in your mind for uh, putting those people directly in touch with the mayor. That efficiency would do what specifically to wire those people directly to the mayor instead of a chief of staff? I I think what it would do is the mayor then would have when he goes out and and Mayor Southers has been terrific over the last years. I don't think. 
you know, there's a day he doesn't give a speech about mm-hmm. some kind of new organization or new company or new business that's coming in or talk about what we're doing in parks and recreation or talk about what we're doing with this new permit program. Sure. Or, uh, you know, so I think that direct contact with the mayor ensures that the mayor is uh, more focused when she or he's making you know speeches Those to the public yeah. and when he gives the annual report that he talks about this in a way that we just don't talk about our successes, but we talk about our challenges. Yep, indeed. Well, speaking of challenges, we have a water challenge. Well, at least we think we do. Yeah. Uh, so unpack that real quick, and then I'm going to give you a few minutes to make your case. Okay, thanks, Dirk. Uh, you know, I've made five trips with utilities up into the mountains to look at our reservoirs and what we do with water. We we bring in the majority of our water. We don't have a river here like Denver does, correct? Yeah. And and a lot of other cities. And so, you know, we bring in the majority of our water from the reservoirs and coming in from uh, you know over Pikes Peak uh, and then from the Colorado River and the Arkansas rivers. And we know we've got issues with. I've learned a lot about water law. It's a huge area. Uh, people, uh, you know, they, they, they may argue about uh, different things, but they fight about water, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's a real problem that we have to be sensitive to. We recently passed at a five to four vote in city council, a water ordinance, which says that we need 128 percent of the water that we, in fact, have available on a daily basis uh, to uh, make sure we have this buffer. And that those of us that are here, you know, have gotten here 10, 20, 40, 50 years ago, make sure that when we turn on the faucet, we've got water. And when we want to take care of our lawns and grass, we can we've got water. My personal opinion is uh, I think that buffer is excessive. And I think we have a greater housing issue right now than we do a water issue. I think it's real easy to get nervous and scared about not having water, uh, you know, to take a shower or, you know, to take care of feeding your dogs with it. Uh, so I would like to see a study, and we're beginning one, uh, working with the county and uh, Fountain and other municipalities that are around city uh, Colorado Springs. And we're looking at about an eight to nine month study so that we really know the science of what we need going forward and what we, you know, what's maybe over the top and too conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I came on the board of directors for utilities, we flipped the switch on the southern delivery system which is, you know, a multi, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars we spent on that, bringing in water in from Pueblo. That is a system that allows you to bring water, but it doesn't provide the water. It just provides the capability of bringing the water in. So <laughs> when I thought SDS was going to solve our problems for the next 20 or 30 years, that was not the case. So we need to lean on this group that's going to do the study, bring in a consultant, and I think by the end of the year we'll know exactly what our needs are so that we can approve some more annexations. And the annexations of property that are in and around Colorado Springs will provide more housing and hopefully more affordable housing. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to give you two uninterrupted minutes. Okay. Of Tom Strand for mayor. Go. All right. I, you know, I think whoever votes uh, starting next week, uh, you know, after the 10th, you'll, you'll have, uh, you know, about 14 days to get your vote in. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, 20, maybe 24 days. Yep. I think you have to look at the candidates that are running, not only for mayor, but for city council. And you need to trust them. And I'm going to tell you what the trust, the acronym stands for me in terms of trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you know, some of the new candidates don't, you know, think having experience as a a political person is a bad thing. But for me, it's the tenacity 
that's the T, somebody that's fought for things. I've fought for puppy mills, you know, and <laughs> puppy legislation. I think it's reliable. I have responded in eight years to every phone call that I've gotten, every email and every text. I think it's understanding issues, you know, whether it's an issue that we're dealing with, like the amphitheater and what problems that might cause for the neighborhoods. I think it also deals with uh, someone that's stable, mm-hmm. you know, that is there when you need them and you can watch them and you can watch, you know, all of my time on council and the board of directors is televised and on tape. And finally, somebody that's time tested, you know, that's been there, that's made decisions, you know, in the past that we look at, whether it's for water, whether it's for dealing with, uh, you know, our drug problems that we have and uh, items like that. Trust that person that you're going to vote for for these next elections. Thank you for making that case, Mr. Strand. Uh, you can find him at strandformayor.org, 719-210-1607, or email him at tomstrand19 at yahoo.com. You've been listening to City Council President Tom Strand make his case for mayor, and we appreciate you joining us here in the studio, Tom. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Folks, we're going to leave you uh, with an oldie but a goodie this month or this uh, this week. Uh, this is Pink Floyd at Pompeii. So check it out. Go to your YouTube channel. Type in Pink Floyd at Pompeii. It's an amazing concert. And uh, if you're a Pink Floyd uh, fan on any level, my sister and brother-in-law actually introduced me to this video. And I got to tell you, it is extraordinary. Both the visual components and then just some of those great riffs uh, and David Gilmore and all those guys. So check them out online. I'm your host, Eric Hobbs. This has been True North with Tom Strand. We'll see you next week with Mr. Daryl Glenn. been listening to true north with your host dirk hobbs saturday mornings at eight on am 1460 and fm 101.1 the answer three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.